<laughs> All right, we're good. All right, hi everyone. Uh, welcome to this week's episode of Liberty Squadron Podcast. Uh, this is Chris. John, you there? Yeah, I'm here. This is Jonathan Lee. Happy to be here, as always. And hi, uh, this is Tristan. Hey, Tristan. So this week you've got a special guest. Uh, Tristan's a local player. Um, I don't. I think I just met you probably a couple months ago, really. Uh, it's... Yeah, I uh, I stopped. I'd usually stop by like the closest store to me, but <laughs> the X-wing group in this area seems to spread out pretty far. So I've been going a little bit farther, hitting you know stores a little bit farther away. Yeah, it's cool, and it's like you kind of become part of the uh, the wider the wider team here, which is cool. And I know you you're just up in Toronto, and then at Crate Cup, and traveling with Ted quite a lot, right? Yeah, that was uh, it was two crazy weekends. It was a lot of driving. So Toronto is about eight hours from here, and it was it was about the same drive down to North Carolina, two weekends in a row. So, yeah. Well, uh, glad that worked out. It was fun following the results. Um, I, before we get into like this week's content, I was just going to ask you a couple questions. When did you start playing X-wing? Um, I started playing X-wing in one back when let's see back when like the. Uh, the second core set came out, so I'm not sure what wave that was, like, like six-ish. Cool, all right, so you've been playing for a while. Yeah. Um, any particular archetypes that you tend to gravitate towards? Um, yeah, probably my favorite would be the, uh, like, highly maneuverable, like, mid-to-low pilot skill stuff. Like, like the, the best part of the game for me is watching, you know, where aces go and trying to guess where they land. Uh, if I can, you know, situate ships to catch them out, uh, it's like the most fun to me. So lots of Imperials. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rebel A wings too, but. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, all right, and then uh, I, you know, we ask all of our new guests this question, or I do. Why are you bad at X Wing? Oh, um... <laughs> if you don't have a good answer on the spot, you can say your yeah, dice. Yeah, uh, listen to the podcast. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> um, uh, probably list building. I, uh, anytime I try to architect, it takes too long to uh, come up with a good list, so it involves a lot of losing. That's a good answer. Um, so, you, like, I, I've seen a lot of the lists that you run, right? And and some of them are, like, kind of different variants on on like rebel list building i remember you were running the a-wings and Bodhi, which is definitely yeah unique. yeah that was my packs list yeah, it was uh was it four phoenix squadron pilots all homing missiles and then uh Bodhi rook so that was an interesting list you're ahead of your time now we got pro droids <laughs> that's wrong great. model of a-wing i suppose that too. <laughs> um, all right. So, so this week um, we're going to get into a couple different topics. Uh, we're going to be talking about the the buzz droids that we had a recent article for. So trying to understand that and explain that. Um, we don't. I I don't personally fully understand it yet. Still attempting to learn to read. Um, so we'll we'll we'll, look, take, we'll kind of talk through some of that as best we can. And then I wanted to get into. Um, you know, just a, a little bit of kind of like a state of the X-Wing community discussion. Uh, we're about to get a new wave. The point adjustment's been out for a little while. We've had a lot of like, it feels like we're having a tournament every weekend now, which is cool. Um, so we can kind of talk a little bit about what the community's kind of complaining about or, or worried about with this new meta that we have. Um, so that should be fun. And then 
the rest of the conversation, and we're just going to get into like Rebel Beef. Uh, it's everywhere. What's what it's good at, what it's bad at, how to approach it. Um, talk a little bit about that, and the same with the Resistance A Wings uh, if we have time. So before we get to those, uh, just a couple shout outs to, to throw out there. Uh, first of all, shout out to Lou for winning Red Caps uh, Wave Champ 2 over, over the weekend. I was there. It was like 10 players or so. It was a good time. There's a lot of Loop and Chewy. I don't know who won that. Um, and then also shout out to you, Tristan. I, I know you just recently started a new blog. Um, I don't know if you want to describe that at all, but what was the... Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, so, that? yeah, I mean, I've been having a lot of X-Wing info fly through my head. And it's way, I mean, if, <laughs> if you think about X-Wing a lot, it's way easier just to write everything down and sort of figure out what you really think. Um, so that's kind of why I just started up the blog. Um, it's a jousme.home.blog. Um, it's the random <laughs> URL assigned. Um, but yeah, the only post I have up there right now is the uh, Toronto System Open Battle Report. So that was a it was a fun event, and I uh, managed to remember to take pictures of most of my initial engagements. So yeah, it was a uh, it was a uh, it was fun to write it up and kind of remember the whole event. Yeah, it's cool. I, I, it's fun to have someone local kind of doing something like that. I don't know that anyone else locally is is blogging about X-Wing in any capacity, so that is really cool. Um, and it's a, it's a good way to like, you know, battle reports are kind of tricky, but if you keep them simple enough, it can actually be helpful for yourself. Yeah, it's. Um, I find myself playing a lot of games, and then, you know, <laughs> if you play a lot of X-Wing, you get a feeling for what's good, but that if you play a lot of X-Wing and you like write down what happens and like record your thoughts, then you can start putting numbers to it. I think that's really helpful. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I used to do that, I think, like, the, the first... When I went to PAX the first time, after every game, I kind of wrote down some quick notes about what happened because I was so new to the game at that point. Um, and it was helpful just, like, the next day that I went because it was I just... Re it helped me remember the dumb things that I did. Yeah, and between that and um, sort of recounting your, <laughs> your X-Wing exploits to friends and stuff, you know, when you're trying to ex explain how the match went to somebody, it's... Uh, it's really easy to say, like, you know, I got shot and took this much damage, but if you can get a picture of that initial engagement or, you know, just a real quick write-up of what happened during the match as well, um, it really helps people visualize and, I don't know, kind of play the game too. Yeah, that's cool. Well, so good luck with that. I know it's early, but uh, it's awesome. And then shout-out to Andrew for destroying Back to Dials on the Millennium Condor. Um, I don't know if anyone's <laughs> listened to that, but he, 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 he really represented us. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fantastic. I hadn't I hadn't heard the uh, that Millennium Condor uh, <laughs> quiz show before. It was fantastic. <laughs> it's ridiculous when there was like that robot voice. I I don't even. And then like Zach was also a host for a period of time. Zach Matthews. It was just a the whole thing's kind of a joke, but like in a good way. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's probably the mo like the most highly edited like X Wing podcast I've heard. Just <laughs> a lot of work goes into that. I think. I, I was listening to that and I was amazed that Asa Graf knew the number of ships on like the card art for some random generic tie striker. Oh, oh god, yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, either way, Andrew was victorious and he'll probably have to go back on at some point to defend um, his title, I guess. So I think he's facing Zach. He winning that means he gets to challenge Zach Matthews, who's the current um, lower master two thousand until for life until defeated or whatever wow. his title is yeah why there's never been anything more prestigious that andrew's been involved in this is awesome yep including uh yeah his wedding and everything <laughs> <laughs> maybe he doesn't uh, listen to the show yeah no he's in iceland having a good time i don't even think he's gonna help edit this one so 
Yeah, speaking of like good editing, this week's episode will not have that, I can promise you. So, all right, moving on. Um, last thing before we get into like the rest of uh, the content that I laid out there, I, you know, I, what have you been flying recently, Tristan? I know that uh, we, we just recently talked about that. So, John, you and I probably don't have to answer this, but Tristan, recently, what have you been flying? Uh, yeah, so uh, I've been playing, playing a lot of X-Wing the past two weeks, it feels like, or three weeks. Um, at Toronto, I took uh, Sloan Strikers. Um, that was a lot of fun. You can, I mean, I did a whole write-up on it. Um, or as far as hyperspace goes, when I'm playing seriously, I've been playing a, like pretty much solely Rebel Beef. Um, it's so good right now. It meets that HP test, and it, you can sort of split stuff up, and it doesn't matter. Um, but I think probably my favorite extended list to fly uh, I flew earlier today, actually, at a, a local tournament. Um, it's um, three. Uh, it's three saber squadron interceptors, uh, Piercebach and Gideon. They all have crack shot, so it's again highly maneuverable, you know, stuff that can try and catch out aces. And so you, you get the striker in there in, in there too as well, right? Yeah, Piercebach with that extra attack die. Um, you can use it as a bit of as a bit of bait. Um, you can kind of like either pull them to one side of the board to try and get at Piercebach, or if they don't, you know, punish pretty hard. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, like I, if I had my way, we'd just turn this podcast into like Advanced Ailerons, the podcast. But <laughs> Andrew keeps us from, you know, doing that. Um, that's cool. So, I, of of all of those archetypes, what do you think is your favorite in in the hyperspace format? Like, if you had to choose, would you go with the Rebel Beef or or with the Striker list? Um, let's see, strikers, they're, they're fun, but it feels like they can, they can, they have sort of fewer attack vectors than what I'm used to. And that sounds in like insanity, right? <laughs> but I end up flying a lot of, uh, like I'm used to flying E-wings and interceptors at this point. So, um, you know, coming up at the enemy from kind of the front or the, the side front, uh, it's a little different for me. Um, but yeah, the, uh, like flying Rebel Beef feels pretty natural too, um, with Leia being so free now. She's two points. Oh my gosh. She's sort of integrated into that Rebel identity. So you can, you know, come at, come at them from different angles and then, you know, do your K-turns or Talon rolls or whatever. And, um, you know, and if, if you spread out a little bit, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to pop Leia or you don't have to K-turn everybody. So you've got options. Yeah, it's something. So, like, people should check out your blog just to see the images of some of your initial engagements with the Rebel Beef list. Because I think when a lot of people imagine these Rebel lists, it's it's kind of a pack of Rebel ships that all sort of engage from the same angle. Um, you know, a couple of your images, you were sort of like it was very obvious that you had broken off into sort of two different groups, um, which is really you know it's probably in some cases the right way to do it, and others not. Uh, but it's it's more flexible than just like one forward, one forward, K turn, one forward over and over again. Um, there's a lot of ships, right? So you can still cast a net if, even if you're not going fast. You forgot yep. one Great. banking. Oh, and the one bank, correct. <laughs> <laughs> one bank to victory. Yeah, that's right. That's a powerful move, um, even without supernatural. But uh, okay, so I uh, that's cool. I you know we're gonna get into Rebel Beef in a little bit, and we'll certainly be talking about A wings or. Fake A wings, as like I like to call them. But uh, got a new article, which was I think probably our last separatist article before the wave drops on the twenty first. I had not too much content in there. I think it was just the buzz droids, and uh, we got an image of the DFS three eleven vulture. Um, so I haven't done much testing of this. There's a couple of screenshots here in the show notes of like my kind of initial look into the way that this is set up. Um, 
or maybe that didn't make it into the show notes, so that's okay. Either way, it's it's um it's something that I think there's a lot of confusion about already. I don't fully understand the mechanics just yet, so let's try to let's try to break this down. Um, so Tristan, have you have you done anything with this so far? Any testing on Vassal? Uh, no, I haven't played with it yet. I've uh, just sort of read through the cards and. I think I understand how it works. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it shouldn't be that complicated, right? Because it, it, on paper, it kind of sounds like... Uh, just to kind of talk it through in English, and then we could read the card afterwards. But essentially, a, a ship with a missile slot can equip the this card, right? Which is uh, Discord missiles. And then at the start of the engagement phase, you can spend a Calculate token and a Charge to launch the Buzz Droid token. I... Uh, three forward or three bank, right? And then once that's out there, it it's essentially if it overlaps something, it can immediately attach to that ship. And then at the start of the next engagement phase, or the start of the start of shooting rather, um, at at initiatives it, it would essentially trigger a crit on the ship that's attacked, right? Or that it's attached to. Yeah. Um, and at their initiative, which is zero. Right at the at the initiative of the buzz droid swarm, so essentially it reminds me a lot of like. Hopefully, this is the correct parallel to draw, but because you're launching it during the engagement phase, it sort of reminds me of like 1.0 trajectory sim. Is that a fair parallel? Right, that like you can actually throw it after you've moved. Did that order right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose. Um... Yeah, because you move and then you do it, and then with it at the start of active, um, at the start of engagement, you have like sort of perfect information where everything will be. Like in when you choose to throw it, right? Yeah. So like you you move, then it, everything else moves, and then it goes down, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it's but it's it's not quite a five speed trajectory, right? It's just the three speed, so that that introduces sort of some interesting range band control that I think is going to happen. Um, but before we get into some of that, like the actual effect of the card is is it basically does a crit to you as long as it's attached to the front or the rear. And then if it can't fit and you overlapped it, you can't fit on the rear guides or the front guides, it immediately does a damage and then is removed from the table, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then the way it's set up is that these these you know dr these droid swarm tokens have one hull and three agility. So theoretically, you could shoot at it to destroy it with a, a, a different ship that would remove it or you know you could you could sort of move through it it gets attached to your front or rear guides and then you could barrel roll away from it is that well, right if you, no if you move through it all right so if it just if you move through it and then can you yeah, barrel so roll off of it immediately exactly yeah. So yeah. if we want to read, like, just read through the card text real quick. Um, after an enemy ship moves through or overlaps you, relocate to its front or rear guides. So I think a lot of people are going to like look at this and say, like, oh, this is attached to your ship. Um, and and <laughs> it's not really the case. Um, when you move through it, it kind of like follows you. But when you like when you land your movement, it stays there. Um, like so, anybody with a barrel roll can get away from it um, as long right. as they move through it. Um, but uh, because you can launch it, uh, I feel like there's going to be a big, like these tokens aren't that big. It's like the size of a small base, right? So I think there's like a big reward there for being able to land it perfectly. 
because if you land it at the start of engagement, they're done. Everybody's done moving, right? So right. it's going to do a crit as long as it's not shot off. So if you if you look at the vassal image I included, like I, I kind of lined up a whole bunch of vultures, right, and then you know very dumbly jousted that set of vultures, um, yeah, and then, and then assumed that the vulture swarm had three of these, right? So getting the exact right range in the engagement phase to physically drop this on a ship, like that's not going to be necessarily very easy to do. Um, like it's it if that happens, you're definitely going to get rewarded, right? So I mean, the bigger thing is like it's still putting down a mine. It functions just like a normal mine. They don't go away, as far as I understand it, right? Once it's there, it's there, unless it's been overlapped and now begins to follow something, right? Or attaches and or attempts to attach and can't because it'll it's overlapping overlapping some kind of object, then it gets yeah. removed. So, but like the way that these things go on the table, stay on the table at some, you know, at that range, you know, basically the three speed range, um, it's more of like a, a engagement control piece is the way that I would think about it, right? Where your opponent needs to be thinking about like on that, on that initial engagement, what range they're going to kind of accept. And if they're going to try and jump that three speed range band to be past it already, <laughs> Right, um, or you know, be far enough away that they have the option to to not overlap it the next turn, um, right. so, and it's enemy only, right? So this you can't like the vulture player doesn't have to worry at all about self overlapping these. I mean, I'm not. If these things are if they shoot it and don't land. Personally, I'm not that afraid of it. Um, you know, the the ship that it's right in front of, you could go maybe you know one one distance faster a bit, and then just barrel roll that one, and at worst, you know, you've you've lost an action for a round because you they're, they kind of force you to barrel roll maybe you're not in the exact position you want to be you want to be in but i mean you can kind of pull this mine away if you have if they didn't land it right they put it right in front of you right assuming you have the barrel action or boost right because you could also just boost away from it if they didn't put it on the front for some reason because yeah. like theoretically if there's a bunch of vultures in front of you right and then you you zip through one of these things that's already been put down on the table even um, they could put it on the rear guide, right? So you kind of can't get out of that, uh, which is kind of crazy, the, right? Looking at the shape of this uh, this token, though, and oh, the dream I think is landing it. You know, it, shooting it at start of engagement, landing it on a on a, a front ship, and sort of that like that diamond pattern that people set up in. You know what I mean? The yep. set, set up in that diamond pattern where you're like one uh, one movement template, you know, separated, so you can do your banks and not run into each other and um, I mean, you could conceivably land it on you know three ships. But if uh, you can't, if you put it, you can't. If you try to put it in the rear guide and it overlaps another, ob it can't overlap another object, right? Doesn't ob do objects it, include ships? Yeah. Another, it, you cannot overlap an object. Oh, it is an object. Uh, right. I read it as obstacle. I see. So you can't even, <clears throat> can't even overlap another ship. Correct. Which is what's interesting, right? Because it's like. Um... You know, like a formation rolling into this, the front ship in the formation would get it, and then it would be in their front guides, right? Most likely. Right. But I mean, the other cool thing, right? Like, if you look at the image that I had here, you know, like if if one of your ships, let's say Quick Draw, for instance, overlaps one of these things, right, and it picks up and it's put on the rear guide, and then another ship, let's say Midnight, flies over and overlaps Quick Draw. Right and the 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 swarm token, 
then that ship would basically pick up the swarm. So even if it's attached to something, I think if another ship flies through it, then it just kind of steals it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of um, like, they buzz over to the the most recent ship. Right, thing. right, which is so funny. <laughs> but it, like, so it's like, but what's interesting about that, right? Because I can imagine that, like, if I'm if I have quick draw rolling up to an engagement with a bunch of vultures, right, and I'm I'm anticipating to sacrifice anyways, maybe I keep that to trigger the crit so I can fire. But let's say it's not quick draw, and I want I have a different ship that's not going to be engaging with combat anyways. I can just like fly by and and just take the thing off, <laughs> and then barrel roll, right? Maybe I'm somewhere safe, and no one has it. So that, that whole idea yeah. of like a friendly ship being able to save another ship from the token—that is awesome. This is like the most thematic thing ever. It's mechanically a little complex, I guess, but it's still really cool. Yeah, and I, the threat of it and being able to like sort of do different things to mitigate it. I think it's going to confuse a lot of players for a long time. Um, like not until you see it on the table a few times and sort of know, like, oh, it's only one crit, you know. So if you've got shields, you should be okay. And you know, you don't have to send, you know, send somebody off on a, a three bank mission to shoot at nothing to get it away. Um, hey, but your blog <laughs> is called Joust Me, so I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'll. Uh, <laughs> I love these things personally. <laughs> well, because it's look, such like, a joust so test, fun. right? I mean, it's like yeah, another one yeah, of these totally. wonderful cards where it's like, you know, if, 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 and even though, even if your opponent doesn't joust you, it still does introduce a real interesting tactical layer, right? Because it kind of, it, it introduces a little bit of board denial. Um, even though the tokens are kind of narrow, they're still just big enough that, like, I think it, it does, like if you look in the image, right, like maybe this is going to cause in some rare situations for an ace to fully disengage, right? Because they, for whatever reason, can't barrel roll after they complete their maneuver, etc. Um, like that's going to yeah. cause some really funny things where it's like the vultures go up and then you might end up having to choose to turn into some other portion of the separatist swarm, right? Just because you, you don't want to take that. I think the I think the whole of so some of the stuff I'm seeing I'm seeing in wave three I think the whole of wave three has a lot of interesting maneuver mechanics that sort of give you like the start make you start to question this is a good move but there's this small detriment there like if there were a proxy mine in front of you like clearly you wouldn't fly over that like go fly somewhere else and then come back um, but like there's a, a buzz droid there and I'm getting in a position I want to be in and all I have to do is sacrifice my action for a barrel roll. Like there's options, there's, there's options there. There are like soft, soft, uh, consequences. Right. Um, and you know, we saw that in a little bit with some of the cards like triple zero and like some of the options that give your opponent the option to do a thing. Um, and with, with strain coming out too, it just feels like there's, there's things you can do with your maneuvers now that are slightly that are a slight penalty that like sacrifices you can make to do a good thing. It's almost like like what balanced control should look like, right? Like this is a control element in some capacity. It also does element, but it's it's physical board control. But it's not like there's no Sabine trigger here, right? Like you're not going to automatically take damage even like a prox mine. Um, yeah. So the consequences are there, but like the counterplay is also there. So if you, so if you had uh, so if you landed this say on a large base ship, like something that couldn't barrel roll, like it could just be on your front guide through the whole game. I mean, say you just had a Falcon and one or two friends. 
I could just imagine it like glommed onto the front of you because you could never escape from it if you can't barrel roll, right? Once it's on your front guy. You couldn't boost off of it, right? I mean, if you're yeah. Han, I guess you're just near rocks anyways, so maybe that you have to fly over one, but that's where that's where the opponent ship's being able to either snag it off of you, right? Mm-hmm. Or shoot it off of you comes into yeah. play, right? Um, yeah, it would be it would be tricky for a non-barrel roll ship to to get one of these things off. You almost have to park yourself in front of an asteroid and land with a ship behind you. And <laughs> it would be a weird situation, right? Which I mean, there's a lot of ships in the game though that don't have that, right? So it, it I'm sure that's going to happen. Um, you know, it, it a Falcon has a lot of HP to begin with, but the thought of having to like give up a shot to try and shake one of these. It's still three agility, right? So theoretically, like, how sad would it be if you, if you <laughs> give up a shot and you you don't, <laughs> right? Like, oh, all, this, all, those, all those games I've been, you know, chasing Boba down as the final ship, and I've got three ships against him, but they're all not as good as Boba. <laughs> Just put that on there and let it go. <laughs> and, like, you can't yeah. shoot this off yourself, right? Unless you're, I guess, the Arvel. Arvel could shoot nope. it off himself. Uh, yeah, yeah, Arvel could. Arvel or... Um... Doesn't one of the decimators? Yeah, Oiken. Um, uh, Oiken, yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Does this count as a as a ship? Like, because if Oiken moves and lands, like if an opponent, like an opponent ships at range one, I don't know the exact. Oh, does he do damage yeah. when he runs like that? Into might it. like Oiken might just delete this thing. <laughs> oh, that's right, because it does mm-hmm. a damage. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of rule nuances that are going to get ironed out you know like this, I, will, this will bring the decimator back this is what'll do it <laughs> oiken meta awesome oiken arvel meta so question why why isn't this done in the system phase i mean i thought this was what the system phase was for for things like this so i was just wondering why it's not in the system phase it's a good question i i don't know i i think uh it is a, it is a technically a mine right so i would have thought that it they, they would have restricted it to that but I wonder how fundamental this is going to be to the separatist faction in general, right? Because if you do it during the engagement phase, like, I don't know, it, it does give you that extra flexibility of seeing where the higher initiative ships landed. So maybe part of it is just simply that it can't be equipped on anything that, you know, above initiative four, really. I mean, that's why they thought it was okay. Yeah, I guess, I mean, it, it could go on future separatist ships that have missile slots and calculate, right? It, it just You just need a missile slot and calculate. Right, yeah, but I guess what I'm thinking is, like, if yeah. you could put this on a, an initiative six, like, if I could put this on uh, Quick Draw, right? Quick Draw has a missile slot. Mm-hmm. I'm, at, I'm at initiative six, and I put afterburners on there, and I have my barrel roll. Then I could, <clears throat> I could see everything move, do my boost and my barrel roll to line up the perfect three-speed, right? I... They, this must mean that we're probably not going to get an I-5 Separatist ship with a missile, I would assume. But Makes sense. Unless, I mean, you know, maybe they could. But I, I, like, we're eventually going to get Django Fett, right? And I assume that'll have missiles. Does the... Yeah, yeah but he wouldn't... He'd need a way to get Calculates. True, yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll have a way. So yeah, Django is a clone, okay. not a robot. No Roger Roger for him. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, spending uh, thing. Spending the you have to spend the calculate tokens. You're spending like a resource that 
you know, that you, that you paid for in the... So you can't get blocked, number one. Otherwise, you can't throw it. Um, and if you're, I mean, if you're throwing three of these, then you're spending three calculate tokens. And, like, that's not an insignificant amount of modification to just give up. No, you're right. And, well, but remember, these do have the networking uh, functionality. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you because you, you're giving up the only mod that you have, and it wasn't a great mod to begin with. <laughs> um, but the, the, the calculate sharing, though, should end up being. That's another thing with this whole separatist faction that I really don't understand yet. I, th I know it's going to be probably solid because the concept of of token sharing has always been useful, right? Um, you know, there, there'll be ways to hopefully mitigate that. I mean, the other weird thing, right, is that they we talked last episode about parking these things on rocks. So, like, just parking on rocks and rotating ninety and throwing them is kind of funny too, right? Because you could just set up on the rock and then. It, it creates this kind of weird like lane where your opponent has to think about like, oh crap, <laughs> they might throw a droid swarm, right? It's the, it's the Ewing 360 no-scope thing, but you know, three three forward or bank in any direction. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, that's exactly right. It is, it's, 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 it's really funny. Um, so I, I wonder how many, it's, it, this will probably not allow for more than like three in a list, I would guess. Like who knows what the cost on it will be. Um, there's not going to be like a swarm of these, right? Well, they're limited to three, right? The Discord missiles. Right. Yeah, okay. They got the little notches at the top. Mm -hmm. Cool. That makes sense. So I'm going to have a swarm of uh, Buzz Droid vultures, a swarm of uh, of the missile, uh, the charges vultures, right? Of three swarm in, in quotes here, right? It's just like a mini mini group. And then, do am I allowed to have an infiltrator as well? <laughs> You think they would do that? <laughs> that's a that's a tall order. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot, right? Be deep. <laughs> yeah, I can't get a order sixty six and then six I'm, other. Vultures. I'm loving. I'm loving like all the like the swarmy stuff. Separatist faction is coming out with. I mean, when you you know when we first heard that they were released, I was like, oh, vulture droids, cool. So there's gonna be eight. We're gonna see eight vulture droids and like sometimes, occasionally, you know, as often as you see a tie swarm. But no, like each you know with the. Uh, precise hunters and the bomber and the uh, <laughs> diesel bub or whatever. <laughs> like it seems like there's going to be a lot of options there. You're going to, I mean, it's going to be the faction of what five to seven ships on the board, maybe. Right. Yeah, we got into that a little bit last episode, but the whole concept of uh, like I don't think this is even going to be a copy paste faction either, which is really exciting because I I've never really enjoyed like list building in terms of taking taking something and then just copying it a bunch of times and using all the same ships. Um, I just to kind of like sometimes it's interesting with the strikers for sure, but even then, like I don't know, like it's 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 nice to have things that operate mechanically slightly different in a list. It just adds variety to it. So I imagine yeah, that there'll be a lot too, of that because you you have an answer for sort of you have an answer for you know if your opponent has an ace or if your opponent has a few ships that joust, like you can put your good things against things they're good with like that seems to be a lot of the the lists sort of like bubbling to the top right now or lists that can deal with kind of anything which is great so a toolbox swarm right of eight ships that's that's kind of what this should be um with with some with some really interesting like choices with the tactical relay and the rest <clears throat> so uh anything else in the article to touch on i think they they gave the image of the dfs 311 vulture droid just kind of like a scouting drone which yeah, is... the one that can share calculate tokens. That it's gonna be, uh, that that one I think is gonna be kind of 
stapled to every like just spam vulture droid lists. So that's um, start of engagement phase, right? You can transfer a calculate token to a ship at zero to three. Is what it says. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and it's 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 uh, it's a little bit like Kyle Katarn, right, from the Rebel faction. Um, you know, it's it's got kind of shades of that, but a little bit easier to pull off because you just have to be at range zero to three. Yeah, I mean, you look at it and you're like, well, they have network calculations already, but if you're already like taking a bunch of vulture droids, you can sort of put it. You know, put a calculate token where you're lacking in calculate tokens. Uh, you know, say you have a group of two on one side and three on the other, and I mean, you could throw the group of two another calculate token, put it where it's needed. That's cool. Although I, I don't think I'd be running this like my uh, striker whisper Sloan list from before, right? Like he's not going to be hanging back waiting to close out the game. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's, definitely uh, not. He's a initiative one DFS three eleven scouting drone, so he'll share a couple tokens and then die. Uh, so that's that's pretty much it from the article. I, I think I can't wait to do some more testing of these these uh, little swarm drones. Uh, I think it's a really cool mechanic. Actually, looking at the picture in the article with the DFS, it shows them using it as sort of a blocker, and then it calculates, and it doesn't have a shot because it's blocked, and then passing its calculate token. That'd be a good use for it, like ramming it straight ahead. Blocking Anakin Skywalker in this picture, and then passing that calculate token to a precise hunter, which is flanking Anakin. Yeah, a blocked Anakin call. is a sad Anakin. Right. It's it's also <laughs> why does that Anakin not have supernatural? What the hell's happening? Um, but either way, so 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 that's actually a good point though, John, because I, like I ran uh, five gunboats a little bit with barrage rockets, and the way that I would play that list was always picking one of the gunboats. Typically, it, I would give you know just that one like kind of more I don't know, it would, I would I would put it further out in front of everything, right? To try and catch a block on a big base ship, etc. Um and that one would always just kind of not be involved or helping in any way besides the block. So yeah, it's cool. I mean it's 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 something that uh blocking with these things is also gonna be not that difficult, I should say. Like you're gonna have a I think they have a five forward, right? Uh yeah. That, that's helpful. Like it, they've that's, got a five forward and a barrel. That's so fast. Oh man. I mean, because sort of the one of the better strategies of a swarm is to, I mean, if if you can manage it, is to cycle right. You put put something up front and keep some at mid range and keep a couple out, and then you just cycle them through, and you know they can take off a hole at a time. You know you've. If <laughs> you can soak up a shot and still live and get a shot later, then that's that's a lot of points you've just saved. Yeah. Um, so, we, like, just two more weeks, right? We'll all have this stuff. We can actually test it. Uh, all right, so moving on. I think I, next topic here is, is just kind of like a state of X-Wing conversation. So I think the points have been out, the, the point adjustments, rather, have been out for a little while. Um I wanted to just kind of take a somewhat of a step back from all the meta analysis. We're, we're going to get into the rebel lists and the five A-wing lists in a little bit here, but um, just want to take a step back and like kind of recognize where we are before wave three drops um, and how good the game is right now. I just like recently went to a kit tournament on Saturday and it was super fun. And I think I haven't really played a game of X-wing that I haven't enjoyed in like weeks <laughs> um i don't know if it's the same for you guys 
No, I've been having uh, a lot of fun recently. Yeah, I've been I've been having a blast. Oh, the meta right now is fantastic. I'm enjoy I mean I'm enjoying extended and hyperspace both. It's just neat. It's it's neat seeing what's they both feel changed from the points drop, um, and I, I don't think that either of the metas are completely settled out yet. Yeah, it's a crazy thing, right? Like, like the, the meta hasn't even settled really yet. I mean, like in hyperspace, we really know what the lists are, but what people are taking is sort of it's beginning to in the regional season just now start to get a little more consistent. But like two weeks away from wave three. Yeah, I mean, if you look, if you scroll down through List Fortress and take a look at what people brought to big tournaments and stuff, like you can see good lists sort of toward the, the middle and bottom of the list there. But I, I mean, <laughs> the what people bring to a tournament, I feel like is is more important now than it really has ever been. I mean, I've <laughs> I've been to a few big tournaments. I mean, I haven't been everywhere for years, but it, like right now feels like like when, we're, when i was up in toronto like what was there felt like a you know a, not the factor but like a big factor in what you should have brought so making well, so, a medical feels big well so, so that's interesting right like that's i think that's something we're talking about within extended uh there's so many different ship options that it feels like you're more likely to run into a potential hard counter right like just a I lost that matchup potentially, right? But yeah. and then w within hyperspace though, like you have so much more knowledge of, or like it, it's so much easier to predict what you're going to run into that you can sort of pre-select a balanced list um, and feel really comfortable, like that if you make good decisions, you're gonna you're gonna do all right. That like you're not gonna you're not gonna get run out of town by seeing the same like three lists that your list can't handle unless you've picked something that's really targeted or niche. Um, so I, you know, like on the flip side of that right now, resistance rebels are a significant percentage of the existing hyperspace meta, right? Like a, like a crazy percentage of, of top cut and whatever, like we're just starting to see that fully form. Right. I think we knew that was going to happen, um, but people are starting to like kind of, really commit to resistance and rebels instead of scum empire fo yeah sort of their their ability to like last that first joust and then continue to shoot at you later is is, is really big some of the i feel like some of the empire stuff gets pushed out because of that um but it's it's not that they're pushed out is that you have to i don't know build come at it differently like you have to out fly them <laughs> so, yeah and, and fly non-traditional lists for that faction because I was just looking, I don't know if you guys have looked at that Pink Brain Matters website from Pink Squadron in Denmark. Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, but the only thing I, before we get into it that I would caveat is that it does not include Swiss results for a lot of it. Uh, yeah. What I was just looking, I mean, I know it scrapes um, List Fortress. It just lists right now, like Rebel for um, Hyperspace right now, Rebel Alliance 32%. Resistance twenty five percent, and then Scum, Empire, and First Order all at about fourteen percent. Yeah, and those numbers kind of hold up for what we're seeing, even if you look at the full field. Um, so that that kind of that actually is a good transition into sort of what I wanted to kind of blitz through here, just as a as a quick summary, right? So, I want, sometimes it's fun to 
think about the health of the game in terms of what everyone's complaining about. <laughs> so in, in 1.0, right? Like at the end of it, we all just complain about Ghost Fen and bombs and turrets and whatever, right? Like everyone remembers that. Um, but it's it seems like when the game's healthier, we still complain about things as a community, but like what we are complaining about really changes like a lot. Um, so right now, like this is the funniest thing to me, right? We have five ship initiative, two rebels, like five Y wings, which is a good list with veteran turret gunner. Right. And then maybe two X wings and two Y wings with the U wing. Those are kind of the standard ones at the moment. Um, but like, that's it, right? Like that's a meta list. That's like a top tier list in this, in this format for hyperspace. Um, and like I, people aren't really complaining about it, but you hear it, right? Um, it's kind of a stretch because <laughs> it's so much can deal with that. Like that doesn't price out the entire card pool from hyperspace, right? Yeah, I mean, I I flown like Tristan. I've flown a lot of Rebel Beef, and then on hyper in um, on the X Wing Vassal League, I took. Uh, three blue squadron X-Wings and Chewbacca and I faced a TIE Swarm and I was like initiative, the initiative killed one of my X-Wings on the first round of shooting. So there are definitely things that can joust you. Right, and not everything can do that. We'll get into later like the specific kind of combinations of shots that will get you there. Um, but like, so in tandem with that, people are kind of beginning to realize that maybe two points is too cheap for Leia and they're not wrong. I, you know, like maybe that could be four or five points closer to six than two. I, the white, white K turns are amazing. There's no doubt. Right. I, but at the end of the day, it's still, it's still low initiative ships that are attempting to joust. Right. Like it's, it's crazy to me now that like, that is the problem. I mean, if you think back to November or like, uh, you know, back when like, PAX Unplugged was here, you know, like we were talking about red line and proton torpedoes and yeah. like, initiative stuff. Like, and this is, it's not, this is stuff that like gets eaten alive by that, you know? Yeah. And like, it's not, it's, it's still good. And like, I could see why someone might be frustrated about it. Right. Cause there, there's an undercosted element of it, either in vet turret gunner or Leia, but we're talking about like, like two points maybe on either of those cards. Um, and it, it like, even without a point adjustment, like this is the most wholesome medalist that I've ever seen be part of like the conversation about the meta, <laughs> um, you know, going all the way back through to 1.0, right? Like there's just, this is, this is, this is such an indicator that 2.0 is working uh, to me. So from there though, you transition to the other thing that's kind of now at the top of the, of the meta, which is resistance A-wings. Um, so we know that Lulo and Tally are undercosted for their initiative. That's for sure. I I don't know if the lower initiative A wings, the resistance A wings, are need too much of an adjustment. They probably could could go up in cost. Um, so this one's kind of interesting, right? Because I think I think people are starting to look at it like the initial um, kind of excitement that A wings could be good again is still there, but it feels like people are starting to finally understand that what they do. Is, is really genuinely powerful for the way that this game works now. Like, it's unique. It's not something that a typical small base can pull off, especially with a focus token at the end of the rear arc boost, right? Yeah, and it's those, uh, personally, I think it's those three agility dice that really does it. And it's not even the three agility dice. It's 
if you you know if you have the initiative to to get that boost in and get to that range three, that is four agility dice, probably with a focus, and uh, and like and you don't need to spend that focus token, because um, you know if if you're a resistance A wing, you're not you're not expected to put in the big hard initial joust damage because you're bringing something else to do that, right? Yeah, for sure. And it, like so, the the thing is, you look at the initiative one cost at thirty two points. And it really, it makes you wonder if they need to bring down the cost of everything else that's at 32 points. That's not the resistance A-wing. Or do they need to bring up the cost of, of this? Um, the lower initiative ones I have slightly less of an issue with than the I-5 ones. Because the I-5, uh, you know, Lulo and Tally ships, those, those just clearly are doing something outlier powerful with the initiative, right? Because you're you're able to first of all in the initial engagement you're not going to die in most cases right but the the rear arc is just the the effect of it is amplified at higher initiative for sure yeah it's definitely the the maneuverability paired with the survivability um, I mean they don't <laughs> so I, I flew these last weekend at a uh, crate cup and uh, I had a uh, Poe uh, Bastion uh, Lulo and uh, Tally. And, you know, Lulo and Tally lived every game. I don't think I lost them most, like, I might have lost them in one game most of the day. Well, it's your um, choice, right? Like, you can decide whether or not they're going to take shots, pretty much. Right, yeah. Um, and it's, it's sort of the, it feels like the way to play it is keep them at, keep them at range two or three, and then, you know, go fast. Shoot out the rear arc when you can. Right. And if they, you know, if they get chased, that's okay, because you can sort of keep stay at range two or three and get those paper cuts in. Right, or like so. So the the interesting thing, and like what's what's still a challenge with them in some respects, is setting up the first engagement properly, right? Because there's still for the first engagement, right? You still can't screw that up too badly. Um, you you have more opportunity to do that with Lulo because even if Lulo dies, something else probably higher cost than Lulo was killed, so it's all good. But you don't want Lulo to die, right? <laughs> like you want that ship for as long as you, it's it's possible to, to have Lulo out there for the end game, etc. Um, but but it's like after that initial engagement, which every list has to get right, that's when their advantage really gets pressed because they just it's so much easier to set up the next round of combat with these uh, because of how crazy the dial is in combination with the boost and the mechanic of the rotate, right? Uh, so like. Obviously, you can't you can't boost, rotate, focus. If you could do that, it'd be ridiculous. Uh, so you do have to like get your next dial set correctly, so you can at least just do the rotate, focus action, right? Correctly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, you only really need that one turn to get the the your back arc turned around. But after that, I mean, it's turned to the back. You just keep running away, and, and you're good. Um, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like. It's kind of, again, kind of like Boba when he's you know running away at the end of the game and you're trying to plink off that last damage. He's got Correct. that back arc. He's got that back arc shot on you every turn, and uh, the A wings do too. Yeah, and then I mean, and they're modified shots, right? So like if you if you do plan it properly, you're going to have the focus. You might have advanced optics. Um, once you have advanced optics on these things, they're very reliable for two. So it's you know it's just it's the kind of thing where like it. It it doesn't it's not it's not overbearingly powerful. It's not breaking the game, but it's obvious that as a mechanic, it's undercosted. At least for me. Um, but it's also the kind of thing where like 
it's it's of all the things we've complained about in the past, like boba is so much more significantly complex to deal with for a larger portion of the card pool, potentially, right? Because he's yeah. a single ship that can, you know, he can just if, if he's at a certain cost, I think he does more to the overall card pool than A wings ever would. I don't know if that's a fair statement. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the the A wings though, like I, I see, like I see them, I see the cost, and like I think they're a little bit low. But at the same time, like they're not. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that's like quote abusive right now, like has counters, like it has things you can do about it in i mean granted in the list building phase right like if you set down a tie swarm against you know five a wings you might have a tough time but i mean think about what's what's good against low health ships at range three what's good against uh you know rebel ships at initiative two it's uh it's alpha strikes it's alpha strikes (laughs) and then it's also things that can defend well against two dice attacks which exist right like like force charge ships aren't terribly afraid of range three engagements with a two dice attack ship in general. Like they can afford to play the same MOV kind of like coward game that the A Wings play. Um, yeah. And that's like, yeah, like to me, that's that's what's like, it's it's sort of interesting because I, I know they're undercosted by maybe six points, right? Somewhere in that range, uh, at least the I 5 ships. Because you can tell by looking at resistance list building that they, like, it's allowing lists to get built that are always hovering around that 10-point bid range if they want it. And I think that's motivated by the cost. It's either the T-70's cost, right, or it's the A-Wing's cost. I'm not sure which one. I can. I think it's the A-Wing, though. I do have to say that extra, that one extra shield on the T-70, oof, it's so good. Yeah, just that it, you know, putting it up to that point where you know half points is one hull more, um, and soaks up one more potential crit. They're they're strong. Yeah, with it, for sure. They they they're like gunboats. They don't die. Yeah, <laughs> they, they seem priced pretty pretty accurately though. It's art. Yeah, like I mean, so we just saw uh, trip T seventies win a regional in the UK right over the weekend, um, and that was running at one hundred ninety point bid. It was just Poe, nine and and uh, Elo. So even those might be slightly undercosted from the perspective that if you try to build uh, high, super high initiative lists across the other factions, you, you can sort of run into point problems a little bit faster. But it's also part of the resistance faction identity, potentially. So I don't know. But it's like the overall point, right, is that like this just seems like a relatively minor thing that we're complaining about here. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's like super nuanced. It's not like... It's not like the game is ending, right? And even I mean, if they com- didn't change I mean, complaining, it's really complaining about the game is fun. It's like half the fun of the game, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? But it, like, so what, other, <laughs> what, are, what other complaints do we have about the game? What is, what is wrong that's not really wrong? <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's, well, and then, so, so, John, go ahead before we go to the next uh, poll here. Yes. Yeah, uh, so, normally I play really slow rebel ships that only go one forward and one back, but I put uh, the five resistance A wings on the table this past week at game nights and. No, it was real. It was it was. They were so they were really fun. Turning away, boosting to like adjust your rear arc, and in some games they were great. And then I made mistakes in other games, and they just died. <laughs> so right. I think they feel they feel relatively wholesome. They're, they're um, relatively wholesome, but yeah. I mean they oh. are they are. <laughs> I'll, relatively I'll take issue wholesome. with that. <laughs> <laughs> they they like, are the end. They're like the. <laughs> 
the faux <laughs> they're like my faux favorite list <laughs> oh man you have to you do have to guess where uh higher initiative ships will be but i mean you've got 180 degree arc how hard can it be <laughs> that, that's right so like it, it's but that's part of the fun with them right is that they sort of like you, you, it still feels like you're flying a-wings Right. Like, I know, I, when I run it, I know in my heart that I'm really running just, like, a five turret list. Like, it's not terribly different than, you know, a, like, five aggressors, right? Like, it just it just moves different. Um, but, but like... Take, uh, take five take five Y-wings and, you know, point their arc in a different direction. And then now make Y-wings go really, really fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and just make them a little bit more vulnerable, like John was describing. Um, mm-hmm. So like there's still there's still something sort of fun and interesting about them tactically from the engagement point of view, and it's also fun that it's just easier to play them during the mid game. Like they're just an easy ship for the mid game, right? I think we can both we can all say that because it's like your your normal ship needs to put more thoughts into how to get mods and sustain damage. These don't like at all. Like, there's there's no there's no thought on that. You just you engage from the correct speed and angle, and then you disengage and you still fight. So compare. They they definitely don't lack in the two things that I think are hard about the game when you first get started, which is like maneuverability and defense. You know, like you don't want to put a ship where it's not supposed to go, and like yeah, they have low HP, but they also have decent amount of defense dice and a focus. So you know, they're a little bit forgiving. That's right. Good job. Oh, so comparing them to the Thai SF is the is the lack of boost on the SF yeah. the reason the SF isn't so good. Yeah, so like let me be super clear, right? Like um, rear arcs as are are fine, right? Like it's there's still arcs to be dodged there. I think the really specific combination that FFG has to be careful with is rear arc and white boost. We know it's dominant on Boba. We know it's it, it's dominant on Han if people took the time to run Han which when they do, it does really well. Um, and it's not just rear arc with, with Han, right? You just have the side, have like a side arc boost, which is a whole other ball game. Um, and it's clearly, like we had 10, we were having five A-wing mirrors basically over the weekend in Ohio. Um, there's a reason for that. So I, it's, it's, it's really the combination with boost. The SFs though are still very powerful with the rear arc, just with barrel roll. And spoiler, you can put afterburners on them. So I've been I've been experimenting with backdraft with afterburners just because I want an A wing that has six HP. <laughs> uh, but you know you're paying a lot more for that, considerably more, forty one base, um, and then even Lulo for less initiative. So rest of the complaint list, I don't want to spend too much time in this section, but I do want to blitz through it. the The other things that the community is kind of saying, and some of these are understandable for sure. There's a lot of people that still are kind of like bitter about that one ship they like that's in extended but not in hyperspace, right? So no fault there. Oh, I but heard, like, I heard that's one of these today. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I mean, it, that's kind of the point of extended, you know, push you outside your comfort zone and make you better at the game. So, or the point of hyperspace, yeah. Right. I and but like this one's you know, people have their preference. If if I if all I ever wanted to do is fly Star Vipers and I can't fly them in hyperspace and locally I just have hyperspace tournaments around me. I can kind of understand it, but the, the gains that we get from hyperspace are so significant. You know, it is what it is. Um, so that, then the other ones are more faction-specific, right? So now we have five factions, or soon to have seven. Um, not every faction can be good at everything, right? Otherwise, it, it just kind of, it, it just doesn't make sense to, to have faction identities as a priority from design point of view. 
Um, so I think the players who are less faction committed are sort of better equipped to just deal with point adjustments and enjoy the game, you know, more regularly, right? But that's there's a cost there for sure. Uh, but you're seeing things like you know players just dropping scum entirely because Boba can't take Han Gunner, right? Like like just immediately Boba dropped from from the meta, and that doesn't make any sense really. Um, I you know there's it's still an incredibly good ship, and there's ways to do it. Even though scum Fang fighters are in a really tif- difficult place with all these reworks out there. Uh, but Empire, same way, like FFG took trip aces away from the Empire players, and they literally quit the faction, like just gone. Uh, which I don't like. That's that's a whole other thing. Where like, there's plenty of good pieces with Empire that people can use and place well in tournaments. They're just not the trip aces that they want to use, so they'll probably just end up running resistance, right? Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I mean, there were at, up at Toronto, there were a few you know Empire lists that did pretty well. <laughs> one of them, one of them specifically, Brett Freeman. Shout out. <laughs> yeah. So like within extended, you totally can still run aces for Empire. Right, no doubt. Like that's that's completely reasonable. Um, it's like you look at the hyperspace faction breakdowns, though, right? And like Scum and Empire have just dropped off the map, um, and it feels like it's just because it, within hyperspace, people are afraid to run Boba, and they don't want to run a four ship or, or you know four ship Empire list or Tie Swarm, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Tie Swarms are strong, but. Moving, uh, I can see you know moving six to eight ships around on, around a board can be kind of exhausting for some some people. Yeah, so then it it leads to a kind of a tricky thing, right? Which is long term, they're going to be seven factions. Um, I think that at any given point in time, you're going to have to go to specific factions to get the best version of a particular archetype, which has always been true, right? But it might feel even more true as like as the, the, the separatists and republic are, are rolled out over time because um, it's just like there's just more there's, like there might be like two s tier trip aces lists within hyperspace right and if you don't have access to that from the faction you prefer i'm sorry <laughs> you know but there's going to be a rotation and there's just something people have to get used to yeah and there are some there are some faction identities kind of tied to specific cards. It's like Leia right now. Um, Rebels kind of adopted their a brand new identity with Leia. Um, but, you know, as costs go up and down, like, you know, maybe they'll swap around identities a little bit over, you know, next year we might be talking about, you know, scum beef or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Um, so so hopefully, hopefully people kind of over time like realize that there's more to each of these factions than than the first couple weeks of the point adjustment have maybe looked. Um, you know, like, First Order, Scum, and Empire are not unplayable. You can kind of leave it at that. Uh, and then the last couple things on here. So, uh, offensive and defensive token stacks, they're gone now, right? Like, a, a couple of ships have them, but within hyperspace, it's, it's, harder, to, it's harder to come by. Um, there's only a handful of ships that have them, but not... The vast majority don't. Up until um, Wave 4, baby. N1 Starfighters. <laughs> yeah. Mini Phantoms, right? Token and spin. Token and spin. That's right. Um, and then I, the only other complaint that I've heard is people that are, are frustrated with uh, dice variants being a bigger part of the game. So this is a whole separate conversation. 
but I think a lot of the a lot of the improvements that second edition has has brought with it kind of have also reduced the the simplicity of dice modification in general, right? And you still absolutely have access to stuff that can control that, but there's more variance. It's hard to argue that, that you know against. Yeah, that. like I mean, I I can only talk about this on like a, a personal. As, from my personal experience, but for some reason, you know, from going from 1.0 to, to 2.0, um, feels like I, I feel like I hear less complaints about dice variants. Like, and th there should be more, right? Like, dice variance is, uh, you know, not a bigger factor, but it feels more fair now. Dice can, can screw you. But, you know, when you have choices to deal with, you know, if you're taking a shot in 2.0, it feels like, you know, you, you were meant to take that shot, you put your ship there. Um, you know, we're far away from the days of Ghost Fen <laughs> boosting wherever he wants to. So, uh, right, like the way that you control your dice variance now, it it feels like it's more decision based. I guess I'll put it that way. Right, we're like, like if you're the kind of if you're running the kind of list whose advantage is position based, right, then then you really just like you're not you're not leaning into your dice modification to win that game to begin with, right? And and because of the way the game's set up and the movement matters more, you can just focus on that and and not not worry too much about needing to roll well to swing a game for yourself. Um, on the flip side of that, though, right? Like you have aces that are are sub, you know going to suffer from being an arc, right? So it can feel like hey, I brought three agility. Why? Why is my ship taking damage? Well, of course it is. That's how it should be. Um, so I, you know that's that's been something interesting to play out because it, like I, I think you have more moments in games now where you have to react to a suboptimal roll, right? Potentially, like just you know you might have to change slightly what you're doing during the mid game because you didn't get exactly the result that you wanted from a proton torp, etc. Right, like that's, yeah. but like that's good. Like that's the whole point of variance, right? I mean, is I mean it, it is a it is a game of variance. Like how many, you know, how do you rate a good magic deck, for instance? Right, like it's how many games it wins versus how many games it loses. Like there's nothing out there that just wins every every matchup. And if right. you're looking at, you know, if you're looking back on your tournament data and you say like, well, I only went four and two. Like that wasn't that great. No, that was, I mean, that was that was a really good performance. Um, you know, maybe you could have won those other six games if your, you know, if your variance was good. But that's what we're playing. We're playing a game with variance. Which is like one of the things I was saying at the uh, at Red Caps over the weekend was essentially that I feel like I feel like 2.0 playing six games consecutively with your list gives you a better, a much better idea of like what it's capable of doing and what what your skill level will allow it to do. Um, if you just play like one or two games. You know, and you experience like some dice variance, and then you draw a conclusion off of that. Um, you're really kind of missing out on the complete picture, right? Because it's it's like it's the kind of game where the decisions you make, good or bad, uh, are more impactful to the result than than in general than your dice. You know, even still, right? Like dice is more of a factor, but it's no more impactful than making good okay. or bad decisions. So, question for each of you. Um, I'm thinking of a number in my head. Um, how many games do you think that when you pick up brand, a brand new list, unfamiliar with the ships, unfamiliar with the pilot abilities, you pick, you pick up a brand new list, how many games do you have to go through before you feel like you're comfortable enough taking it to a competitive event? 
like you think you'll do well competitively. Uh, Chris? Man, I... It, it used to be a lot more when I was learning the game. So, like, before I got, you know, familiar with archetypes, I my answer would be, like, you know, 50 games with a list. Oh. Or more. Yeah. Um, but that, that was because I was still learning how to play X-Wing. Right. You know? uh, like, I needed, like... Like, there were times when I would pick up a list and it was a brand new archetype for me that I had never tried before. That's now true. it's yeah. totally different. Like, now, I, if I switch to resistance tomorrow, it's just going to be easier for me. Like, I'll just, I'll, I'll play 10 games with that and that should hopefully be enough practice and I'd feel good, right? Um, like, it's, it really, it, it varies, I think, on, on that particularly. Like, if I pick up Separatists on, on the 21st, I don't know. I've got a lot of time with with striker swarms, but that's a very different problem to solve, you know. So I might want about twenty to five to fifty um, before I would draw a conclusion. Yeah, I'd say like, I don't get a chance to play that many games overall. So if I even get five to ten games in, I would be very happy if I could get that many in. So I think that's part of the reason I get sort of stuck in uh, in my rut is that. If you don't get to play many games, you tend to stick with what you know. That's fair. Yeah. You know, because I'm always like, okay, a tournament's coming. What do I play for that tournament? Oh, I only played six games in the last month. Okay, I should just play something I know I know how to play. So you sort of get stuck, which is why I wanted to put the A-wings on the table to start playing something a little different. Yeah. I What works really well in terms of tournament prep is like, is picking two weekends before the tournament where you're going to do dedicated practice for a day. Right, you don't have to do more than that in some cases. You just have like two full days of practice games. A lot of times, that's kind of enough to get you in that mode. Um, but for me, being really comfortable with it, like I don't know, it's a lot of games. Yeah, I think with an archetype, I'm comfortable with it. Would probably be ten to twelve games, probably around twelve. Um, but you know, again, that's what I'm comfortable with. You know, if if you're picking up a new archetype, it can take a while to learn. And I'm not, you know, I'm not familiar with all the archetypes. I'm definitely not. Um, but yeah. Yeah, like, so as an example, if I picked up uh, bigger base ships, right? I Like, I, I've almost never run the Falcon, as an example. I, I don't know. Like, I, like, the only version of that I've ever run is Luke with Supernatural and Han in 2.0. Uh, it's immediately good the first time I used it. But I don't know that I would ever take that to a, a major tournament. It's maybe not good enough to begin with, but that that practice yeah. is is some of my most fun X-wing. Like one of my favorite things to do for a practice is just throw like, do the deployment, like throw put your rocks out, and then put your ships out, do the setup, and then like whoever you're playing with, like as long as you both understand it's just for practice, just move the ships. You don't need to set dials. Like I believe you that your ship is going to go there. Um, just move the ships and then get to that initial joust. Um, you know, you can throw dice if you want, but it really doesn't matter. Get to that initial initial joust and look at your ships and say, I like where that one's at. I like where that one's at. I could have done better with this one. And that gives you a lot of experience. And then reset. That takes five minutes. And you see a payoff, right, in your game. So, like, that, that, like just kind of looping back to the variance is more of a factor in 2.0, like, comment that we hear from people. I, it's just, it's not a bigger factor than player skill. It just isn't, right? And, like... And that, like, this is the kind of game now where you can sit down and learn to play the game better and see an actual tangible payoff. And that's, that's oh. really fun. 
you know. <laughs> Speak, speaking of player skill, I'm going to call out. I'm going to call out Ted real quick here. We've so we went down to Great Cup, and uh, for anybody familiar with their team format, you, t you brought four factions, and then uh, the team captains got together and matched up who was going to play against who through like a series of picks and bans. Um, well, our first matchup, we were up against uh, uh, Team Derek Tokaz with uh, Paul Heaver was there, and Ted got matched up against Paul Heaver, and you know the, just the way the picks and bans worked out. If I matched Paul, uh, you know, Ted up with Paul, with and they had very close to the same list, then we would have had a pick advantage later. So it's like, okay, we're gonna do an even matchup here, and we'll have a pick advantage later. So I was talking to Ted later about it, and he was just like, thanks. <laughs> it, was the, it was the same list, and you were trusting me to outfly Paul Heaver. No, no problem. That was a it was essentially a Boba Fett mirror, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, but man. yeah, it was that that event was fantastic. But yeah, it was <laughs> it was just um, you know there were some <laughs> some really great players down there, and it was it was fun you know seeing the matchups right. just from like play, on the player level. Yeah, and that's like that's what's so awesome about X Wing right now is that um, like like it's it's just it it feels more about the game than it does the list. That's that's all at least for me, right? Like I I just I feel like. I feel like there's so much I, I don't have time to play right now because there's so much that's playable. So I look at every faction, it's like, man, I, I could run something in that faction that I kind of enjoy. Never going to get around to it. <laughs> but it's never really felt that way for me. Like, it's always been like, oh, there's four or five kind of lists that are in the conversation for getting out of Swiss, right? It, there's that's more variety than that now. That's why I'm so happy that like a lot of these like mixed archetype lists coming out, like it, it feels really good because you can play the archetype you're comfortable with. Like you can take, you know, if you're comfortable with swarms, you can take a mini swarm. If you're comfortable with aces, you can take an ace and then mix in something else. It's like, it's a great learning experience. Yeah. Um, so just, just rounding out the kind of community conversation, I think like there was a lot of discussion around supernatural that happened before the point adjustment and that got kind of nuked from orbit but still is useful, right? Um, so, like, long-term, because this game is now more movement-based, they just got to keep an eye on everything that abuses sort of movement mechanics. Uh, it's just really important, particularly at high initiatives. So, aces still always need to be expensive. Rear arc boost we talked about already. Stressless turnaround moves are with Leia, whatever, right? Like, it's enabling lower initiative ships, but also higher in it. You can see defenders paying a premium for that in the token stack. Um, I'd, I'd assume that that is something they kind of have their eye on, right? Is that sustained damage via K turns are, it's good, right? So they're going to, they're going to probably adjust that a little bit. Um, but overall, like there's no crisis point in X-Wing anymore. Like there's nothing for us to really sit back and say like, oh, the game is broken. Fix it, FFG. Tripsalon, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they got rid of Tripsalon and it's like, what do you really worry about now? And it's, there's not much. Um, so John, did you want to talk about the X-Wing Rules Committee before we get into, I mean, this is like the funniest thing in the world to me, right? That we have a rules committee now. It's like... Yeah. So, uh, I was, I heard, uh, when Chris Brown, Chris Chico Brown was on, uh, Minox Squadron and he was talking about the X-Wing Rules Committee where, so there's always been, I guess, like a secret X-Wing Judge Illuminati that sort of made, sort of, um, common like they would consult each other on how they would rule on things just to you know asking questions to each other and then over the last you know six months or 
a lot it's become pretty common before events people to be to say oh these are how we're going to rule these things because they ha we haven't gotten answers necessarily from ffg so now basically it's uh chris brown and about a dozen or so other people including um you know, uh brett wong and the guy from arizona whose name i'm blanking on ian 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 hemp yeah, yeah. And people from Australia and the United Kingdom, and they're basically going to put together sort of a common rules document that they're going to follow in their events with the goal of sort of having a standard, you know, standard rulings that people can sort of expect when they go to events. And I mean, I think it's a good thing. Like, I think it's more important. Like, I honestly don't feel very passionately about any sort of rules discussion. And I would just rather know this is how it's going to be ruled. And then I'm to totally fine with however people choose to rule things as long as it's consistent. If anything, it'll make judges' jobs a little bit easier, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I'm sure there'll be controversy around this because there's always controversy when there's nothing to actually complain about. So I think, I think this is utterly fantastic. Um, like, judges are i mean first off like thank you all judges for judge anybody judging ever thank you very much you're not playing the game and you're helping out the tournament so like right straight straight up everybody should show up and they get paid in prize support like that is not enough yeah. compensation for putting like, up regardless of you know whether they rule against you or like they say something <laughs> off putting like they're there to help so thanks to all of them right um but also like secondly like they're the ultimate i mean i so having having just heard the interview over on uh, Gold Squadron uh, earlier today, uh, the uh, like I I, I want I don't know if they made totally clear, but like this is a this is like a quick agile. What do we do about this ruling thing? Like this is never going to supersede fantasy flights, like FAQs or forum posts or things like that. Again, this is just like a you know, we're at a tournament, something is very ambiguous in the rules. And like, let's try and get some of this information out there on how, like this group of judges is going to rule it before you get to the tournament to avoid like you bringing a card combo that you think works a certain way and then doesn't work a certain way when you get there. Right. Like this is good for everybody that's going to a tournament. Yeah. And, and it's, it just hopefully establishes a little bit of consistency and I, you know, there's always at every tournament the rules are imperfect, right? Like I, I think there are a lot of people who don't necessarily, you know, participate in the major tournament scene, but do follow it very closely. Um, it, it there's not, it, it's never perfect, right? Like every tournament I've been to, there's always been one call that after the tournament got clarified or something like that, right? Like it's actually the tournaments are part of the process of getting the rules right. Do we do we do we talk about the obligatory? How do I do a talent roll? Uh, well, <laughs> sure. I, like, so like that's a mess, right? And like, it like it's it's some of it's really dumb, but it's okay. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, it, it it's not really that big of a deal. It, it'll be nice having these as like the quick and agile rulings as like sort of step ins for things that are confusing until FFG gets around to making an official ruling. Yeah. Um, and the way they're going about it is fantastic. They're they've they've contacted actual judges that have judged big events in various parts of the world and like different parts of Europe and, uh, you know, in England and Australia and on the West coast central, um, <laughs> notably lacking a judge from the Northeast. So, uh, get on that <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you can get a worldwide buy-in, um, you know, it's, it, it's a, it's a commission. It's, you know, they, they come to a consensus and, you know, anybody like 
anybody who uh, is interested in the, this kind of thing can just go to one place and like that's probably the way your event's going to roll it. And it makes it easy, easier on the event, event staff too because they can just be like, well, you know, we'll use these rulings and if anything specific comes up, we'll, uh, we'll address it. But So here's the thing, right? I can't wait to see what the first official ruling is on, uh, or first not official ruling rather is on fortressing and, and whether or not it's, it's rules as intended or rules as written. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's going to be a... Because I have this sweet Ewing list, right? And I really can't wait to just <laughs> run it back and forth on my side of the board. <laughs> Let's see how many U wings can we fit, four. and and it's, it's and four. not fortress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, whatever. I mean, like it's it's Reddit will always be angry about something. I'm sure they'll be angry about this at some point. But it, this is not too dissimilar from what's already been happening. All the all the like the really you know regular judges were already all talking to each other. Um, so this is just That's... more visible communication to the rest of the community. And yeah, now that you now that you brought that up, that is kind of a powder keg that I don't think we've touched yet. <laughs> like, there's going to be one fortressing, not fortressing list that gets to the the top table in a tournament, right? Yeah. Well, U wings yeah. already have, right? Like U wings did pretty well. I didn't know that they made it to the top table, but there's a regional that they placed okay at. Um, there's a ton of things that can fortress with in quotes. In, uh, in Chris's interview, and I I said Minoc, but I meant Cold Squadron. But in his interview, um, he mentioned floor rolls. Like he did very, he briefly mentioned that they'd be touching on floor rolls, which cool. is something the game doesn't have nice. right now. Maybe, you know, maybe the first thing that they're going to release is, you know, as, as a group is that we all have to play by a clock and then we'll all just say no, right? <laughs> for the round. So, yeah. Bring my chest, bring a chest timer. Yeah. It's a topic for another day. That actually might not be that bad <laughs> if they did it right, but whatever. Um, so, uh, transitioning now, I think we can t take like, the kind of last portion of this, just talking about uh, Rebel Beef and the Resistance A-Wings a little bit more. Um, so, I, you know, we were just talking about the four U-Wings list, so it's a reasonable transition. Uh, for people listening, just to kind of get some kind of list descriptions out of the way up front, right? Uh, five Ion Y-Wings is a list that's doing really well. It all has Ion Turret and Vet Gunner. Typically, one of the Y-Wings won't have Vet Gunner. That comes in at 199 points. Um, you can also do a variation on it without that gunner that uses torps. I don't know why you do that, but whatever. Uh, and then the other kind of rebel beef list that I would consider standard is sort of two X-wings, uh, a U-wing, and then two Y-wings with ion turrets. Um, the U-wing is the Leia attack officer partisan build. Uh, those are kind of like the, the baseline rebel beef lists, I guess. And then in addition to that, you have four U-Wings, which hasn't really caught on yet, and then you have higher initiative sort of four-ship mixed Rebel lists. Typically, you're going to have like Wedge or Luke or something, Magva, an X, or a Y. Um, and and they, they mix in some of the better Rebel cards, like Selfless and the rest, which is sort of concerning, but whatever, right? This is like still just, you know, X-Wings. Um, so all of this is doing really, really well, right? And what I thought would be good to talk about, since Tristan, you've run the double X, U, double Y list quite a bit, right? And then I know, John, you run this stuff regularly as well, mm -hmm. is really just like getting back into the specifics of if you sit down at the table, you brought your fun three ship aces list, right? And your opponent puts down five Y wings, right? Or they put down the two X, you know, the, the, the U wing list that I described. Like, what do you do? Right, you, you you maybe thought about this list in the list building stage a little bit, but ignoring list building for the moment, just totally ignore like what the like that stage of this. 
what is what is going to be a good kind of approach to the rebel beef lists? So, so I mean, <laughs> go ahead, John. Okay, so, this is like it, this is your jam, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, so you can definitely initiate. So you can initiative kill rebel the rebel ships, uh, depending on what your list is. The so in games I've had against Tie Swarms that are all shooting at four or higher, or I flew on Vassal, I flew against a um, Tie Swarm that had Swarm Tact multiple copies of Swarm Tactics. So they're even like they had Wampa, but there were Swarm Swarm Tactics. They would fire six times before I'd shoot once. So you can initiative kill there. Uh, when you look at lists that have Y wings, I mean you don't think of so X-Wings are surprisingly fast. Y-Wings are slow. They are really slow. And I find that I haven't used Veteran Turret Gunner myself uh, very much, but I've flown against lists that use it. And you can make, if you force them to rotate that arc and they sort of and deny them the ability to double tap, I mean, the Y-Wings move slow. So you can definitely get around them and get on their side. So I would not line up to joust against them. <laughs> so don't don't play their game, right? Yeah, like don't that's, play their game. So that's like a, I think that's the first thing to say, right? It's yeah. like if you see a five ship rebel list across from you, don't do exactly what they want you to do, right? Like make them play the game as well. They came there to do a one forward, probably, right? Yeah, this is it's a jousty list of jousty lists. I don't like I can't. I'm hard pressed to think of anything that out jousts a rebel beef list. Well, I can think of one or two things, right? But it depends on a partial joust, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, so, so there's a lot that can handle either one of these lists very, very directly in the first engagement, but by only being direct with a portion of the five ships, right? So, you, you know, like we talk about not jousting all the time. Um, and then, like John just was describing the advantage of initiative killing one of these ships. So the perfect thing that you're, or like the thing you're really looking to do, is to get a partial engagement with the ship you're trying to initiative kill, right at range three, ideally if you can manage it, um, and then you know just minimize the trade and what you're giving up to kill that ship. Now what? Now initiative killing a Y wing is a much taller order than basically initiative killing a X wing. Um, just to kind of put it in context, right? Like I've got a couple of numbers down here. Um, but like you can run it through Gate of Storms and sort of understand whether or not your list at maximum firepower is going to be able to take a Y-Wing off the board in the first engagement. Like you should know that. And you should also know if you can take an like X-Wing off the board in the first engagement. You're probably more likely to be able to handle an X-Wing because it's only 5 HP, right? Um, That's 6. Or 6, is it? Oh yeah, yep. six. Right, whatever. I'm, I'm still on one numbers, so yeah, you're mm -hmm. right. Uh, so like, but if you have if you have a list that can can deal with uh, you know initiative killing one of those two things, it's not just about lining up for the joust and initiative killing something, right? It's also about partial jousting while you do that. Um, specifically against the veteran gunner ships, range three is your friend. If you stay at range three of these Y wings, two things happen, right? For one, they're only throwing two two dice at you on attack, and number two, they're not throwing their ion turret at you. So, if you're going up against five Y wing and the first engagement, you're in that range two band against more than one of those ships. You did something incredibly wrong, 
right? And I, I would argue that, like, like you just allowed that to happen. Because there's, like, there's a little bit of range control jumping that lower initiative ships can do. But these Y-Wings are so slow that it's not like they're boosting into range two of you, right? Yeah. And if you're, I mean, if you're up against a, a rebel list like this, it's that's got five ships. They're all pretty tough. It jousts super well. Um, there's there's a, a couple things you can do that like mitigates the thing it's good at, which is pointing all its arcs and getting all its shots on one thing. Um, and so sort of that flying the so to Toronto, I took U X X Y Y, and then um, at Crate Cup, I was flying U uh, X X Y. I just buff beef the uh, initiative a little bit on them um but yeah the sort of getting the, the perfect engagement for you against this is you know maybe you catch one of those y wings or an x wing at range three and the rest of the ships or like some of the ships don't get a shot correct um, i mean because if you think about like any list with five or more ships that's five bases on the board that's five like I don't like not asteroids, but things that your opponent can fly into and can't have ships on, right? Like if you have three or four good ships, you're only taking up, you know, three or four base sizes worth of board space. Um, which means, you know, if you get pulled in a, you know, if, if you get pulled in a direction that you don't want to get pulled in, it's pretty easy to turn your whole, you know, turn all of your ships. But if you have a, if you have a five ship list, like, <laughs> turning that you know big bus is uh it's kind of tough sometimes yeah so like you know you have that initial engagement you're looking for the partial engagement which you described there that's exactly right um and, and it's about like the correct range band for everything it's essentially what you want to try and set up is that first initiative kill if that's what your list is trying to do you might not have brought a list that's set to initiative kill but you want to get that first one and then you want to set it up in such a way that the second time you engage you're immediately giving your, yourself a chance to do some serious damage and potentially get a second initiative kill early, right? But the only way you can kind of guarantee that is if you don't lose a ship in the first engage. If yeah, you do that, think... it's going to snowball, right? Because very quickly it looks like a U-wing, an X-wing, and an X-wing against two ships that are better than those three. Target priority is big too. Um, I mean, if you're don't just shoot at the first ship, like the closest ship, right? I mean, if if the closest ship is going to do a 4K next turn, and you have no way of, you know, of tracking that 4K, of getting that next shot that'll get that last hole off, um, you know, just don't shoot that one. Shoot the one at you know range two or something. Right. Um, I remember. Let's see. Was it Scum and Villainy I was listening to today? I had a long drive to the tournament today, so <laughs> had a lot of podcasts. But um, let's see, who was it that won uh, Toronto? The Toronto system of Kalen was. Yeah, Kalen. He was he was talking on uh, Scum and Villainy about. Um, you know, one of his ships had a tractor beam and coming up against a B-wing list, his options were to nuke a B-wing off a board and it was a pretty secure kill or take partial shots on multiple B-wings but use his tractor beam to barrel roll one of the B-wings so that it split his opponent's fire against his list. And that was that was a strategic decision to not destroy an opponent's ship. But it was it was also to save your own ship. Like, it's that type of stuff matters in a joust, right? <laughs> like, well, matching yeah. your ship together isn't always the best solution. Well, so, so like, so that kind of transitions well into the next phase of the game, right? Which is, you know, if, if you're able to engineer that good first engagement, then you also need to be thinking about, it's a lot of HP. So part of your win condition against a list like this 
is playing the full 75 minutes. And I, I think that's something that most players are not geared to really think about, right? The vast majority of the time we go into a game of X-Wing, we expect to destroy all the opponent's ships and then win and then go to the next game, right? And if you bring that mentality to a matchup like this, I think you're setting yourself up to fail in most cases, especially if you're running, like if you're running five A-Wings, right? Are, are, you, are you playing the game to destroy all of the rebel ships? I don't know, <laughs> right? Like that's that matchup is is probably going to time, um, but it still has a very good win condition for the A wings potentially because of their maneuverability, right? So, mm-hmm. I, so I, I guess I guess where, where that leaves it, right, is that like I can't tell people what they should shoot first in your X wing, U wing, Y wing list. Like you shouldn't necessarily you don't if you can kill the U wing, great to deny Leia, but that's not really necessary to target that first um it really is about kind of what the rebel player gives you it early on um and then and then you kind of take it from there so then talking about leia for a moment because i think people have to deal with it a lot of people have said you can predict when the leia turn is going to happen you kind of can but you also you kind of in the back of your head you need to know that your opponent knows that (laughs) right like they don't have to leia just because they have it they might, yeah. but they don't have to, right? They might just know that if they do a Talon or a K-turn there that you're going to block it um, or attempt to block it. So, so yeah, I, I think, like, preparation for the Leia K-turn is more about the angle in which you attack because uh, it's all four K-turns and three Talons. There are no sloops that these Rebel ships can do because there's no A-wings here. So it's more about, like... If you engage direct on, you make that talent in 4K more useful, right? You don't want to do that because it, it just makes the Leia turn more awkward. And the more you make the game awkward for the Rebel player at the lower initiative, all their ships are not that mobile, the better chance you're going to have at just playing that MOV game in the mid game. <laughs> and on the other side, if you're playing the Rebel, the Rebel list, that's like one of your strengths, right? Like one of the strengths of you know splitting your squad and coming in at different angles is that. You know, you can pop Leia if you want and do four K turns on two of your ships, um, or you can hold hold off a turn. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really good point, and it's something that you don't always see. I think you'll see it more the more people are like taking this because there'll be a wide variety of like skill sets with these various lists, right? Um, but it's like super common to see the five Y wings all clumped together, which is not wrong, right? In a lot of cases, I. But like with your list, with the X, U, Y, Y, like you're definitely setting up two parts of a hammer in some cases. Like you're not, you're not making that angle of attack for your opponent as easy as I was describing, right? So yeah, um, playing against them, I think ordinance, ordinance is going to come through. <laughs> that was kind of the the idea behind the. So I, I upgraded the. Uh, so it was, it was UX, XY, or two X-Wings, two Y-Wings, and the U-Wing, right? That's what I was flying. Um, I upgraded two of the X-Wings and put Proton Torps on them and just deleted one of the Y-Wings. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, well, so so let's go to that, the, though. Yeah, like, yeah. so a full Torp, right? A fully modified Proton Torp, a, a, a three-dice shot with the Focus, and a second, another three-dice shot with a Focus should kill a Y-Wing, right? Like, that, it's a 50-50 chance, potentially, right? But, like... That that gives you an opportunity to put the seven damage down. 
yeah. you know, roughly like the eight damage. Like it, it, you have an opportunity for it. It's not. It, maybe it ends up on one hole, and you probably, you don't go into it like you know, like raging at your dice if the Y wing survives. <laughs> um, but but you can like just that. That's the t- and if you have a fourth shot, right? If you have another three dice shot with the focus, um, then you're right in range because essentially a Y wing can sur- survive about four and a half three dice focus shots uh, in general. And that yeah, so like you, it's a, a good a lot of number the danger to be aware of. that I've seen for that list is that you know if you're up against wedge with swarm tactics uh oh right if you're up against you know an upsilon that's up front like you might you might tear its shields off that round but it's getting a good shot back something's weak and an ace is gonna come in and and, and take it out and but you know what's so funny about this though is like it's just i kind of have to pause on this like we're breaking down how to fight against y wings and x wings (laughs) <laughs> like it's un- un- like that by itself is so ridiculous. Like of course you can kill a Y wing with a bunch of focus three dice shots. Like that's this is the game. <laughs> like um so yeah, yeah, like the torps though, you you were talking about a four ship rebel list. If people start mixing in selfless, that becomes a bit of a problem though, right? Cuz they're going to start um, kind of dragging those point. crits away from you. Yeah, like I've seen, I've heard a lot of like bigs talk and a lot of selfless talk, and it, I mean, to a point, right? If if you're taking selfless, you're saying my ships are going to be in range one. If you're taking bigs, you're saying bigs is going to be in range one. I know, I'm like Jonathan has a lot of experience with this type of list, so he would know the like, like you know, the strengths and weaknesses of of that. But you know, there are it's good, but there are limitations, and that seems to be what a lot of the lists are out there right now. Like it's good, yeah. but there, there's a but there. So if you take wedge and a U wing and two Ys with selfless, right? You've given up a fifth shot. So like, yeah, the proton torp isn't there potentially to do the initiative kill, but you didn't need to <laughs> in the first place. That's kind of there's a big sacrifice there to get that card, which you know maybe we'll see people turn away from vet turret gunner as as you know. I don't know. It, it, that thing's maybe slightly you know, and, cost. and maybe it's just that the meta's not shaken out yet. Maybe it, you know, the final form version, you know, March 2019 hasn't been discovered yet. Right. Um, <clears throat> but you know, just uh, just when you build a list, look at the look at the flaws in it. That's really the best advice out there right now. Right. Um, and I, I would suggest that people look at Kylo. Just just gonna leave it there. Turns out force <laughs> charges. Ailerons. Yeah, well, and ailerons. Yeah. <laughs> so mobile things, um, mobile things moving at you know after initiative two. There's a lot of that, and it's really good against lists like this. And then force force charge three 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 agility ships <laughs> tend to just they just don't care um, about you know what these Y wings are doing to them unless you you, you put yourself in range of the ion. Um, yeah, so I, any any other comments? Go ahead, John. No, I was going to say, uh, yeah, regarding bigs and selfless, I think when you add, when you have one ship with selfless and you have bigs, they be, they're they much better in combination than just one or the other. Uh, but uh, going back to what Tristan was saying, when you fly in a block at range one of each other, especially bigs moving at I-4, you sort of telegraph where you're going to be, and you're a lot easier to, it's a lot easier for your opponents to... Um, arc dodge or get on your sides and such as yep. opposed to like being able to fan out a little bit more with like five five ships for sure um which which i guess like a a, a final comment on the kind of tactics of playing against these lists D- 
disengage, right? If you feel like if, if you got that first engagement and then you ended up in a spot where the next turn you're potentially going to be taking all of the double tap shots potentially from five Y wing, or if you're not against five Y wing, you're setting yourself up for the lay a K turn. Just don't be afraid to disengage. I think a lot of people feel the pressure to kill all the ships as fast as possible, kind of keep up with the damage race, but there's not a lot of mods in these lists to begin with. So, you know, that damage race is really dependent on where you put your ship. It's okay to, it's okay to take a turn off. <laughs> there's no dishonor in a four forward boost, as long as you come around yeah. to the next path. <laughs> like, well, so like your opponent might look at you and be like, fight me. <laughs> but like, yeah. they, that's because that's like, that's what they want you to do. Right. So just don't. It's okay. That was mean. <laughs> but like you got to balance that, right? Like you got to think of if you can get the second initiative kill and like you're you, like you know the moment, like kind of stay stay engaged. But it's it's I, a lot of times I see people kind of just staying exactly where the Y wings want uh, want a ship to be. So there's no reason for that. Um, list building wise, I, I'm not going to go through the whole kind of gamut. There's a lot of potential lists that deal with five Y wings or Rebel Beef. There just are. There are a lot of potential lists that have decent matchups. Um, you know, it's not a silver bullet in all cases, but it's 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 not even really worth breaking down the the list options as possible counters to these. I don't think. Um, so, I, I, to to kind of move away from Rebel Beef. Um, do you want to talk briefly about the resistance A wings? I don't. I don't want to spend as much time on this one, but I think people are going to start to see five A wings across the table from them. I. I know you ran it at Crate Cup, Tristan and John. You just recently were testing it out. What do the A wings yeah. not like to see? Right, like what makes those awkward and uncomfortable? Um, probably the biggest thing is. Anything at range one, literally anything. Don't be a range one with the A-Wings. <laughs> um, I found a lot of success in um, sort of like faux jousting, like set up across from your opponent, maybe take a turn to, you know, do a two-forward or something, but then like just peace out, shoot out the back. Okay, so, so like the A-Wings want to set up and engage where they can turn away more easily, right? And guarantee yeah. the, the rear arc. That's easier to do... Well, so like a lot of times they kind of have this choice, right? Like after the first engage, they're going to do the five forward or the three bank, right? Or they're going to do a, a hard turn. So if they're closer, they do, typically can can consider a hard turn, right? Really, it just opens up all their options for for setting up that, that rear arc. Um, if you engage slightly further away for the first round of combat, they they can't, they can still do like the two hard away, right? boost rotate and catch you in like a wide net but because if you engage with them at range three they they can't necessarily boost past you unless you go so fast that they can just kind of like outguess you and just do a five a five forward um you kind of have like there's a really specific range band i guess is what i'm describing where it limits the it limits the rear arc choices or if that yeah kind of the the point at which you know flying against these a-wings the point at which i sort of come to the self-realization and say maybe i should start thinking about thinking about what's going to happen next turn and you know maybe this is a bit too late but you know when i'm making that that move into the first engage um 
you know, you know, you might have a that option to do the, you know, focus into a barrel roll or focus into a boost or like, that's the point at which you know where their ship is probably going to be, especially if they're little initiative ones. Um, and you can kind of like look at next turn, like, you know, is my ship blocking their three bank right now? Is my ship blocking their two turn? Um, you know, and, and if there's a rock in any of those positions, then you can kind of, you know, kind of force them in into where you want them to be. There is a blind spot, right? So like if you're fighting against one A-wing, um, th there are blind spots in that rear arc. Like it's there's not a big one, right? But there's ways that you can make that that turn kind of more vulnerable. <laughs> um, it's harder against Lulo, right? Because a lot of times Lulo's moving after you. But even even ignoring that, I, I think the overall point with these savings that I would make is that if you look at the board, in any game of X-Wing, you should be picking on the board the two or three spots where you think your opponent wants the engagement to happen, right? And then, you know, you, you feel out what they're doing and where they're going, and you decide kind of what you're going to do to make that engagement some have some advantage. With the, with the A-Wings, it's the same thing. You just need to, you know, be aware that if you go to that kill box, it's going to exist for you know, a couple more turns than normally. Um, so, like, it, it, it's you just need to, like, what I found that's worked is if I spread my ships out enough, it can kind of create weird situations where the A-wing list, it, they're really fast, so they can kind of close in on one target. Um, but I, I, I almost prefer that they do that, kind of close in on one of the, the, the handful of targets that I have out there, so that I can close from two other angles on whatever they've had to commit to, or I've forced them into a bunch of mini games, right? Where hopefully I have some way of handling, you know, what, what the two dice attack is, is bringing to the table. Um, so that there's a lot in there, right? It's like really hard to head sim this. It's easier to like play a game and talk it through, but I feel like there's sort of two things people do with these lists. They either kind of group them up and they set up that initial kill box and then scatter, or they start up, kind of all split out and play the kind of plinking damage game. Um, and it's definitely possible to set up engagements where you just sort of like force them to to totally split up where they are and what they're doing. I, it, it's, it's, that's, that's like, you really have to feel that out. Like it's, I'm not telling mm -hmm. people to like go into the game, you know, like totally putting one of their ships out on a limb. Because again, the yeah, this might be enough. this might be one of those lists, kind of like, you know, kind of like Tripsilon, where it's good, and if you're going to play against it, you need to have seen it before. Um, there aren't a lot of people that have three Upsilons lying around, and it's gone now. But guess what? You can put five A wings on the table, and if you want to spend a hundred dollars to put five A wings on the table, um, you know, it's good, and it, it, you know, I think it's rare. Not it's it's a I think it's one of those lists that's artificially rarer than how good it is because you need five A-wings or like Tripsilon because you need three trips. Right. I, like as yeah. regional season starts up, though, you're going to see a lot of it, right? Like it's yeah. it's it's a power list, no doubt. So it's a great one yeah. to pass against on, on Basil, I suppose. So, uh, yeah, so I was trying the five resistance A-wings and it's because I had enough cardboard for five A-wing bases, and then I used the Rebel A-wing dial. So then I had enough dials, because the Rebel A-wing dial is the same, except for the three bank. 
Um, but I found like my instincts in flying the A-Wings were all wrong. Like there was, I was playing a uh, friend of the show, Graham, Graham uh, P. Pernier. Yep. Pernier. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and we had a great game and he was playing the I-5 resistance aces and he was flying. Well, not to, basically he flew into the middle and then I had the, I had my A-Wing split into two groups and I decided to turn both my groups in to like converge on him. And he won out on that initial first engagement where that was my instinct to do that. Because if I was flying X-Wings or B-Wings that's what I, or Y-Wings, that's what I would have done. But I think the right answer for me in that case for the A-Wings would have been actually to turn both groups away and yeah. show him my rear arc with both groups. And maybe no shots would have happened or maybe we just plank a few range three shots. And But my instincts in flying jousters was all was not the correct decision on what to do with those A-Wings. So it's good to break out of my comfort zone to play something different. So I'm glad you brought up that specific example, though, right? Um, and so Graham is well-practiced with his, like, five... I think he runs a lot of I-5 uh, resistance lists. Um, he's kind of, like, kind of spent some time with that. Uh, but, like, what you were describing there is sort of what I was trying to get to, which is that a lot of the better five A-wing players are probably going to be kind of setting up just to, to, to play the long game, right? They, they want to be throwing the two dice and having their defense dice and just sort of chipping away at your list. Uh, and But to do that, they kind of, by definition, have to spread out some portion of the A-wings. So it, it leads to situations where like two or three of them may have done a hard turn away from combat and are, they're now pointing the wrong way and you can sort of you can take advantage of that if you're far enough if you're like closer to one side of the the group of a-wings than the other then they they may have to sort of take that turn to to bank or turn away to set up their rear arc potentially but they're not always collapsing on you i guess is the point i'm trying to make and that leads to points where like there's 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 like mini engagements in the middle of the game where you actually do have a significant advantage um, it's just it's just harder to set up. So like aces actually do really well against these. Uh, you can run like a two hundred point fo list or resistance aces list and have a good matchup. Um, yeah, maneuver maneuvering into a good shot against something lower pilot skill seems good. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's funny too, right? Because it's like you'd, you'd think that with the rear arcs, the aces would be really afraid, and some of them kind of are because they can't get out of it. But because there's two i five. Uh, a-wings in this list having something i5 or i6 even is a big deal uh, like they don't they don't like wedge at all um even though wedge isn't going to be around very long mm -hmm. so i mean they're only two dice and what you know there are a lot of two dice ships coming out soon so i think um i think people are kind of afraid of two dice ships sometimes but you know, they can be good. Look at look at what their strengths are. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is that I you look at the A-Wing list and you feel comfortable in a lot of matchups, right? I think that's the main thing to look at right now is that they, they have reasonable matchups against the field. Uh, but it's still, it's still a list that requires good execution on the initial engagement. So that there's yeah. a lot of counterplay there for sure. They, have, they definitely have maneuverability. They've got defense. Um, I mean, if you think about other two die ships, the tie advanced, like once it gets that target lock, it's got that offensive bonus. 
if you look at um, you know some of the Jedi, the Delta Seven Aether sprites coming out, um, they've got two different configurations. You can you know if you take the two die configuration and nail that bullseye, you still get an added focus result. So you know it, just because it's a two die ship doesn't mean you can't do well with it. It just means you've got to you know line up your uh, you know line up the the situation that makes your two die ship do well. Right. And so that's going to be really interesting to see what the Jedi do to all this whole mix, because it'll be probably higher initiative and really mobile. Oh, I'm so um, in on it. <laughs> <laughs> Crossing my fingers for low-cost Jedi Knights here. <laughs> yeah. I don't uh, think it's going to happen, but it shouldn't I, happen. It force shouldn't charges happen. <laughs> are expensive, right? They yeah. probably won't be. Um, free, free mods are not free. Yeah. So I, I think I think we can probably wrap up here. I, like both lists that we're describing are going to be around for a while, right? Like these aren't going to get touched until June, if if at all. Um, so you know, really, the the next thing to look out for is the impact of Wave Three on what people choose to run. I think a lot of times you see of the good guy lists, people just will go to the next good thing that comes out. So I, I'm wondering how many people are just going to drop A wings immediately for Republic, just because they want to try it. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe that'll happen, but we won't. I don't. I don't think we'll be recording again until probably the twenty fourth. Uh, so so stay tuned for that. Um, oh, so wave wave three will be out. Yeah, wave three will have dropped, and then. Well I then. Um, <laughs> so what? Uh, so wave three wave three is coming out then. What what are you guys all in on? I'm straight up getting a bunch of Jedi, so they look fun to me. Low, you know, low initiative stuff. I I've already ordered. Only separatist. I'm gonna get Republic once the M1 drops. Is what I decided because I want all of it. It all looks really fun. It's just too much. I think I'm I'm gonna get both. I have to fly every good guy faction, and I really like how the tactical relays really changed the flavor of vulture droid swarms. So you could see different ones, but they're all so different. Whether you have Kraken or I forget the names of the other ones, but the depending on which tactical relay droid you choose. So I def I'm going to pick up both. Cool. Yeah. I, I if, if I could, I'd get all of it, but it's just, I feel like I'd buy it and not play it. <laughs> Cause you know, it's just not enough time. Any thoughts on uh, hyperspace qualifier cuts? Um, I know, I, I, I suspect that, you know, when resistance and first order first came out, I think it probably took a little while for people to commit themselves to picking up the kits. So, you know, slowly the the ratio I think of people who are willing to play those factions is growing because they you know then have the ships. But you know we've got a few hyperspace trials coming up in April here. Um, yeah. You know, any ideas on what what we'll see in the cut? I mean, so I'm always wrong, but my bold prediction would be if if one of the two factions has a better jousting list than the Rebel Beef, then that will be popular. And if one of the two has a really good Aces list, then that will be popular. So I think it's more likely that there's a, you know, if they undercost a portion of Republic and there's really, really good aces lists, that's going to be extremely popular. People like Initiative 6. It's like comfort food. Yeah, Anakin Skywalker is going to be out there. And with the, I mean, that Glen, the Glen Burnie regional will be, like, they'll be, they should be legal for that Glen Burnie regional in early April. That's right. It'll be interesting to see what's there. I think the on the Aether Sprite, it's really interesting that you could run a, like how the configuration, oh, so if you ever were to run a Jedi without the either of the configurations, it would, we don't know how much it costs, but it might be comparable to those generic Inquisitors. So relatively, inex relatively affordable. 
So you could fit in Anakin, support Jedi, and then a little mini swarm of torrents or something. So I think that might be a good. I I, I think it'll be popular because like it just like everyone I know is talking about Republic is like they're so excited for it. So from that perspective, it should get get used. It's, just one, of the, because... it's one of the coolest parts of the lore. They're Jedi, you know, gallivanting across the universe. It's yeah, it's fantastic. People <laughs> want to be Jedi, not robots. Like, like you know, <laughs> like what do you want to be for Halloween? Like, I... Jedi, not like. But don't you like wait? Don't you remember the the coolest part in the movie when you saw DFS dash three one one fire yeah. that amazing shot on? I, well, I I, I, I do. <laughs> I always wanted to fight for the Trade Federation and the Techno Union Guild. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's funny it brings in such a different crowd of people right because i think it's it's just the prequels so yeah uh, i was 23 or 24 when the prequels came out and i was yeah i was already i don't know they don't have any special place for me but i will buy oh, are there prequel movies i didn't realize that there was... <laughs> <laughs> wow oh rogue one rogue so, one hey prequel. do you do you also know that there was a first edition of x-wing do you remember that <laughs> mm, dark days dark yeah. days <laughs> oh man it's either way it's gonna be super fun and it, so like everything we just talked about like there's this meta is finally starting to settle and i it's just gonna get blown up in like two weeks so it's a good time for x-wing yeah, and then wave four will come out in quarter two, right? They say. Yep, that's right. And then points readjustment at the summer. Yeah, get used to it. So, um, all right, I think we covered a ton of ground here. So thanks, Tristan, yep. for coming I have a on. Quick shout out to um, so one of the teams we came up against were uh, twice actually East Coast Gamers um, from out in East Jersey. There, um, they have a campaign against cancer event coming up May 18th. So take a look into that if you're interested. And uh, yeah, just wanted to get that out there. Yeah, and Mike, Michael Bird always runs great, great events down there. Yeah, that's uh, when's when does that start up the campaign against cancer? Do you know? Um, the event is uh, is uh, on May 18th and uh, tickets are on sale now. So, okay. yeah, I don't know how many, you know, how long, how fast they sell out. But yeah, take a look at it. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Uh, we will talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right. Thanks for having me on. All right. Good night.